Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Yeah. Should we just like jump into it? Let's do it. Let's just... Okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm, excited. Yeah. I am too, and I'm sure there will be like plenty of like tangent moments oh, in the yeah. future. So let's just let's just jump in. Get okay. going. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. And today. Today is our new spring wrap-up. We've done it. <laughs> We've officially <laughs> finished our first book it's, on the it's, podcast. Yeah, it's 10 a.m. And because I'm feeling celebratory, I have a glass of sparkling wine. <laughs> mm. Mine's not sparkling, but mm. it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seriously a sucker mm. for sweet sparkly wines or just more of a sweet person like i've been drinking sparkling apple juice a lot mm. lately we got some sparkling apple cider for arthur for thanksgiving so good mm-hmm. so good <laughs> thank you thank you trader joe's that's yeah. where my yeah my sister got that too she was mm-hmm. like have you ever seen this before i'm like oh yum <laughs> mm-hmm. oh and they also have this what is it? Toasted cookie cider? Something something mm. cookie cider. And oh my God. Oh what my kind God. of cookie is it just like does it have like the spices you would put in cookies, like cardamom or something? I feel like it's kind of a gingerbread-ish cookie based okay. off of the flavor. But like Aiden and I have been sitting and like, mmm, these are good. Because, you know, so sometimes you get a beer and it's like, hey, it's this thing. And you're like, oh, man, that sounds delicious. And you open it and you're like, oh, man, that's shit. But this one, it was like, ta-da. Let's go get another six-pack. This shit's good. It's good. It's good. But, that almost yeah. sounds that almost sounds Wheel of Time related, something that they would serve in one of the inns, <laughs> like a spiced wine, spiced cidery wine. Mm-hmm. So Ooh, okay. Are we ready? Yeah, I'm I'm I am ready. I am ready. I think I am. <laughs> I may I may have to switch back and forth between documents as we go because I I didn't want to like put my answers to your questions in this document because when I wanted it to kind of be like a surprise when we started Ta-da. recording. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So, probably have to switch back and forth. That's fine. We can make it happen. We can yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want to let you know if I'm like slow and like, oh, wait a moment. That's why. <laughs> Stop. So our very like our very first topic, and I think this is really good to put in the beginning in case there are some listeners that haven't read New Spring yet, and mm-hmm. we can make this a little spoiler free section Mm-hmm. And it was why we think you should read New Spring. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that stands out for me the most is, first off, you want to figure out 
where you want to read it, at what part during mm-hmm. the main series. And I think we have talked about how you had said you liked it in publication order. Mm-hmm. I do. And, I do. And I strongly, I strongly agree with that. I've seen some people say, oh, you know, before the, you know, around like book five or so. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think I would go either almost like directly in the middle of the series, somewhere around mm-hmm. like seven mm-hmm. or so, but anything after that. So, mm-hmm. and I think, I think I would do it before the last three, just because, yes, just because the last three kind of have a, um, there's a lot of action going on in the last three. And I feel like yes. if you chunked that in there, it might kind of throw off your pacing maybe. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I think for me, the reason to read it in publication order is if I'm not mistaken, it's like around book nine and ten, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and for me, that's where I ended my reading mm-hmm. when I was first reading through the series. I was like, this is... <laughs> this is slow. I don't you, feel like yeah. it's going you got anywhere. To the slug. I've... <laughs> Yeah, you know what? That's a really good point because if I could see if someone getting a, if you are one of the people that felt like there is a slog, maybe throw a new spring Mm -hmm. in there and it will kind of open your eyes to other situations that are going on. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that and it's it's rejuvenating. Like Mm. there's something about new spring. Like a lot of people have mentioned the fact that it almost feels like a completely different book from the main series and I get that and especially reading through that slog area if you're Mm -hmm. a slog believer and we all know that I am um, (laughs) (laughs) if I had if I had jumped to that after like book 10 or whatever I think I would have felt a more compelling desire to read the rest of the novels instead of throwing the book across the room and telling Jordan to fuck off. But see, this is where I think our situations are different because you were reading the books as they were coming out. So you had to wait, you know, years in between each book. Mm -hmm. And I would be pissed. (laughs) (laughs) I know I would. But I was lucky enough to where I picked it up later on where, you know, the series was completed. Mm -hmm. And I had actually thought, you know, it might have been six years ago or something. When was the last three? When were the last three come out? I have no idea. Okay, it was it was before the last three came out, and I was looking mm-hmm. for something new to read. And of course, the Wheel of Time. If you like fantasy, read you know, start yeah, off with yeah. Eye of the World. And I looked, and I was like, oh, it's not completed yet. I do not want to do my do that to myself again after what happened when I started reading A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, like you wait and you wait, and you're just like, I can't do that to myself again. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, so when I was reading it, I there I do feel that there are slower parts, but I knew mm-hmm. that if I kept going, I would get to the end. So I was able to push myself through it. But mm-hmm. if I would have had to wait, oh no. 
it was, I would, it was, I would sit in your, I would sit on your side. <laughs> I would have your same opinions. I'm really, I'm really grateful to the friend of mine who like pushed me to finish it after the series was complete. Um, because I, and right now I'm. You mean me, over- right? No. <laughs> Well, yes, in a way, like doing this with you is going to get me all the way through to the end of the series, which I know the end of, but have not read all the way to the end. So I know I'm missing like some nuancey things that I'll pick up. Yeah. But also, like, I feel like book 11 is where things start to avalanche towards mm. the last battle and everything. And I just think it's, yeah. So I feel as though New Spring read, I like before book eleven, is where I would put it. Like yeah, if you're, yeah. If you're in the slog, take a break, read New Spring, come and, back to it. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest, New Spring is still a decent sized book. If you are, yeah. if you're, <laughs> if you normally read, you know, other novels and stuff, this this isn't a short little novella. Mm-mm. But compared to the books in the main series, it feels it seems so small. Yeah, it feels really small, and it feels like the chapters go by so fast, and they're so, so short, fast, so fast. It was, so it, it really is fresh. It's mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's quick paced. It's and I mean there are like your normal Jordan moments where you're kind of like, okay, this is a little details, details, details. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I appreciate that, but sometimes I'm like, just get to the action already. I just want to know what happens next. Mm-hmm. I'm so impatient. I'm the most impatient person. <laughs> well, I totally get that, uh, though. So, yeah, if you, you know, obviously, if you intend on reading the whole series and mm-hmm. it's you've already, ha- you have it in your head that you're going to finish them all, I would definitely read New Spring. And I think, you know... I think we were lucky to, you know, figure out that this was the one that we wanted to start with on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we're, we're going in chronological order, but I wouldn't recommend that for the reader, <laughs> you know? Yeah, neither would I. Um, but us starting with New Spring, there were, like, for me, there were two reasons. It was, it hadn't been done yet. Like, we both looked around to see if anybody had done New Spring yet. Um, and we really didn't see really any coverage for it. And so we were like, let's do something that isn't out there. But then the other reason as well is that neither one of us had read it. Yeah. And so this one, we got to like read together for the first time and get to react to it. And I thought that was great because you and I will be doing a recap on the main series. And I'm so excited about that because I'm reading the main series right now. And I'm still already ready to go back to the beginning so that we can talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it almost was. It almost just was happenstance. Obviously, Mm -hmm. we wanted to start with something different that we hadn't seen. But at the same time, this is the only book that we both hadn't read. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, let's start with this. And I'm really glad. I feel feel really good about it. I think that. I think that it's a really good way to, you know, prepare yourself for the main series and especially for people that have already read all the way through. Mm-hmm. New Spring is kind of like, you know, it's like a side note and mm-hmm. 
bringing all of these topics up of the things that happen within this book will really prepare you or bring, you know, a spotlight to different things that happen Mm -hmm. in the main series that you might have kind of not really realized or, you know, just kind of missed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And answer questions or push you to ask questions that you then dig for answers on. Because I think that was... For me, there was so much Black Aja and conspiracy hunting, like what's happening in the background? Why is this going this way? Maybe it's going that way. That was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think most people who read complex novels like this really like that kind of stuff. Like they like the background. Yeah. They like the scope of what has been created. And to dive into it is just really... Oh my gosh! It's so I'm, fun. Well, yeah, I'm I'm a total Nancy Drew. That was my favorite <laughs> thing reading the main series was trying mm-hmm. to pick out, okay, who's the bad guys? What evidence can I find that maybe this person is untrustworthy? And mm-hmm. I think with the New Spring, yeah, that definitely helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was super fun. I enjoyed that. And there yeah. there are red herrings too. If you know, mm-hmm. there are characters that are introduced later in the series where if you read New Spring, you're you're going to think about this person and say, OK, well, I, you know, are they trustworthy mm-hmm. or, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. or is yeah. it a red herring? Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I think, like, don't start with New Spring. No. I think it, like, throws you off from some of the fun questions you would have otherwise. Definitely. Yeah. So read it, but don't read it first thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're Definitely. telling you what to do. We just just listen to us. Like, yeah. <laughs> read it whenever you want. I'm just being dumb. <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever you want. But do whatever. We, we strongly. <laughs> we highly recommend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think... Um, I think if if we get into it a little bit more, like starting with our main characters mm-hmm. might be a good place to start off with because obviously this book is going to familiarize you with, for the most part, Moraine, Swan Sanche, and Lan. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they all play a pretty major role in the main series, but mm-hmm. it's, so inter- it's so interesting to see Moraine in a whole new light mm-hmm. and I guess I guess Lan is maybe the only one that I feel like doesn't change too much mm. mm-hmm. he still kind of retains his his same his same qualities from yeah. New Spring throughout the main series but mm-hmm. with the New Spring you you learn why he is how he is. Mm-hmm. You get to know why, how he ticks, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And one of the things that I appreciated so much about land point of view um, chapters or just parts of chapters is that we don't really get points of view from land, and he's mm-hmm. just this incredibly stoic individual. So he's hard to read throughout the series, but you feel as though he leans... You mean like he's hard to read, like understand, or yes. hard to like literally? Read? Okay, no, <laughs> no. As like a character, I feel like he's he's difficult to because he doesn't really give much away. 
And so oh, you yeah. kind of have to familiarize with who, yourself with who he is and pay attention to what he does. And I mean, I think he distinguishes himself fairly early as somebody who's a good guy, but that whole idea of good guy versus bad guy and the lines are clearly drawn gets kind of tossed out the window early in the series anyway. So there's always mm-hmm. this chance that maybe Land's not a good guy. But in New Spring, we absolutely know that he is. And there's well, just Well, yeah, this... yeah. And I in Eye of the World, it's questionable with Maureen mm-hmm. and Lan because like we've said, she's like, I will kill you before handing you over to and she's, the Dark she's One. she's putting them in a legit, life-threatening situation. Mm-hmm. And she's she's taking them, she ends up taking them to the Blight. Mm-hmm. That's... <laughs> she takes them, yeah, she takes them to a lot of pretty awful places. Some of them right. are on accident just trying to get away from Chalik's, but, but at the same still. time, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, and I mean, we see characters who fervently protect Rand and go out Mm -hmm. of their way to look out for him, only to find out later on that they're dark friends. So Mm -hmm. I feel as though that's one of those things where you're always like, are they a good guy or are they a bad guy? Yeah, you could definitely see. I mean, if if Moraine and Lan were bad guys. Mm Mm-hmm. They're in it. They would have been in it for the long game. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. And it would have that would have been a brilliant twist. You know, if that oh, had yeah. happened. Yeah. But there's something really reassuring about them being who they are through mm-hmm. the main series, but being able to see, especially Moraine as a youth. Yeah. And because I mean, I still think of her. Like, she's 22 when she becomes yeah. an Aes Sedai. Yeah. That's so young. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I. I honestly I know disrespect to people who are in their 20s, but I remember being in my 20s mm-hmm. and I made really bad decisions. <laughs> so did I. I right? mean, haven't, haven't we all, though? Yes. You know, it's it, it's just it's it's living life. And mm-hmm. she, Maureen and Swan have mm-hmm. a whole lot of growing to do. They sure do. Mm-hmm. Lan just, I mean, I, I was he like a, I feel like he was a five year old in the body of a fifty year old man, <laughs> but maybe that is due to being raised by Bukama. So I mm-hmm. guess like if we want to just go ahead, like like some of the minor characters, Bukama mm-hmm. especially, mm-hmm. is so so interesting. I love mm-hmm. his character. I feel like the book needs that gruff older mentor figure Mm -hmm. for Lan and yeah he's just um I think I think most of Lan's a lot of Lan's personality and Mm -hmm. behaviors come from being raised by this warrior yep 100% yeah I mean who knows how Lan would have turned out if he had stayed with his family Mm mm-hmm but probably sure he, just as badass. Yeah, he would guess. probably be just as fierce, but at the same time, he still has kind of a an air of sorrow to mm-hmm. him for what he's lost. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think Bukama is just an amazing, fun character, and I mm-hmm. really I really appreciate getting just little bits from him. Mm-hmm. You know him. Um, <laughs> 
him swearing oaths every other chapter where yes. he's mentioned and just yeah we need we need characters like that because we have to see how the Melchior people mm-hmm. are yeah yeah and he's just he's a grounding influence for Lan I think mm-hmm. um yeah and I feel I feel as though Lan's loss of mm-hmm. Bukama is it's like the nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that seals him to Moraine become, to his fate to his destiny or you know however you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, I mean she's proven without a doubt that there's big time trouble up ahead, mm-hmm. and that she's fighting the same war he's fighting. And I love that. Like, without them knowing until they both know at the same time, they're fighting the same fight. Yeah. And we don't get too much of Lan and Moraine's relationship throughout the series because we don't really get a yeah, lot of points of views they, from yeah, they don't of them. E- they can't really even talk to one another because mm-hmm. they're carrying such large secrets. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have put up this wall and the only the only cracks in this wall are almost through Ryan and Bukama being able to have a little bit more interaction with Moraine, Ryan mm-hmm. especially. Mm-hmm. And then Bukama because he's the one that's swearing an oath to protect her. So I feel like there's almost a little bit more interaction between (laughs) the minor characters and Moraine versus Moraine and Lan. Yeah. Yeah. Most of like their, their connection is done through thoughts of each other and not what they say about each other or to (laughs) each other. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. And then at the end to see that like she had made this choice about Lan pretty much from the first moment she met him. Mm -hmm. And I mean... The first moment she met him, he tossed her into a pond. Yeah. So why? <laughs> Can you imagine in like free fall before you even hit the water? Like he's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what she was trying like to say before like the, <laughs> the water knocks the air out of her. Because in the book, it says she's trying to say like scream, but she can't even get the words out because the like water is cold as ice maybe she was like be my ward that's exactly what i was just thinking Uh, would you be my warder (laughs) yeah good Uh, stuff yeah it's just so funny that that is i i don't know i think that's hilarious and i love that they're together like, I love that we see them like this. I feel as though this whole experience for Moraine is what pushes her to grow up and become the Aes Sedai she becomes because she now can fully trust maybe two people, <laughs> Lan and Swan. Mm-hmm. And that has to be incredibly sobering. And Well, yeah, that's, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Yep. But back to Bukama, he raised Lan in a way to be able to handle what Maureen was going to be taking on. Oh, definitely. So, definitely. Yeah. Good job, Bukama. Yeah. You did it. I mean, it's almost, died. it's almost like, you know, she 
it, that at the moment that they're bonded, it's almost like she is his queen that he has sworn to protect. Mm-hmm. I think he, he can does. channel all of that, you know, power and anger and duty that he was supposed to have for his, you know, nation mm-hmm. <laughs> into one person, into, you know, guarding one person. And that's why mm-hmm. he is so goddamn fierce. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he is... He is a person who has seen the blight personally, who has fought against the terrors that the borderlands hold back. So he knows what the outcome will be if there's failure in this Mm -hmm. hunt for the Dragon Reborn. Mm -hmm. And I feel there's just so much about them being together that that's almost Tavaran-like. You know, oh, oh, definitely, definitely. So Rand's pulling at them as baby. That's yeah. what's happening as He's a like, newborn. Already, Rand, yeah, yeah. I'm already bending the the pattern to my will. Yeah, These two people who never should have met mm-hmm. are now bonded, more or less for life. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. And that Good job yeah, comma. yeah, and especially. With, you know, the birth of the Dragon Reborn, it's really what, this this is the beginning of New Spring. This is how mm-hmm. we start off with, mm-hmm. you know, the prophecy from Guitara. And like you said, Baby Rand, it just throws a curveball into the whole, you know, into the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there are some places in the in the book where, I think Moraine's thinking about how centuries have passed with the idea that the dragon will be reborn and you just don't think it's going to happen in your time on your watch. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and then it does. Mm-hmm. What do you do? And so I her actions past that really push forward with the what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think I think as far as minor characters we have to talk about Gitara because <laughs> you know this because is how she's so important yeah and we get we get just a few words from her and then that's it yeah that's all we've got from her but how important are they <laughs> really important like it's it's her foretelling that pushes the search for the dragon reborn which is crucial mm-hmm. and it's also like I pulled a, a quote from Wiki that is, her talent seems to have been extremely strong and had major repercussions, making her almost solely responsible for setting into play some or all of the major events of the series. And, like, she has this foretelling about the Dragon Reborn, but while she's advisor to Queen Mordrellin um, in Andor, <laughs> she also has a foretelling about Tigraine that sends okay. Tigraine yeah. off and to do her thing to become Rand's mother. So Tigraine would not have become Rand's mother without a foretelling from Guitara. And she also talks to Tigraine's brother, who then mm-hmm. goes off to the Borderlands and is Lord Luke slash Slayer. Yeah. So without her foretelling for him, he wouldn't have gone off to do those things and so would he have taken the throne if Mm-mm. no throne the throne goes to a to woman, the woman only okay. as far as i know of 
Like, that's my understanding. Like, there, that was one of the reasons why when Gabriel was, yeah, was all over Morghese and the idea that it would be okay. the first male king of Andor and badness. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's always a woman. But she does all of these things, and that's how we get Morghese's queen. That's how we get the birth of the dragon reborn on the slopes of Dragon Mount, which she then has the foretelling about. So it's almost like her foretelling comes into a big loop and connects together. Yeah, yeah. It's like a a figure eight, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, without her, there's so many things that just wouldn't have happened. And I, when I was looking into Guitara, there are theories online that talk about how even if this wouldn't have happened, even if the dragon wouldn't have been reborn where he was supposed to, the pattern would have pushed everything in a way to still make that happen. So the pattern used Gitara to make things happen. And I just think that that's fascinating, that she was this driving force. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's in the book for like a page and a half. And then yeah, she's, that's she's gone. It's nice what- meeting you. Yeah, and just starting, you know, the book off with her foretelling, those few words, it's like barely, a, it's not even a paragraph, really. It's just a few mm-hmm. sentences, but chills. Like, mm-hmm. it's chilling, chilling. Absolutely. And, yeah, and it's, ooh, what a way to, like, kick things off, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, way to go. Like, you can't, you're not going to put the, the book down after you start with, <laughs> after you read that, you're like, oh, damn. Right. Okay. Yep. Right out of the gate. <laughs> yes. yes. Dead guitarra. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. It was really hard to just read two chapters at a time. Mm. You know who? <laughs> you know who would be a good guitarra? Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Ooh. Mrs. Potts. <laughs> Ooh, I like that idea. I always think about her in the Manchurian Candidate, mm. like yeah. the one that was made like in the '60s or whatever. Ooh, or like Maggie Smith. Ooh, Maggie Smith would be fun. Yeah. I love her. She's so sassy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I have on Guitara. Like, I just think she's... I think she's such an important character mm-hmm. that gets kind of overlooked pretty easily in the series. But, like, to me, she didn't just, like... She didn't just foretell the birth of the Dragon Reborn. She was the reason why it happened. Yeah. And so there's just, like... Damn. There's so much that, you know, she sets up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regardless of whether it's, you know, having to do with Rand, but it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a massive plot point for it a minor really, character. It really, really is. And we wouldn't get the fullness of it if we didn't have New Spring. Mm-hmm. So I feel as, and even then, digging into Guitara, because you just get that foretelling. You know that she has this talent, but you don't really find out about her other foretellings until you're into the series. And so Mm -hmm. she gets put together kind of piecemeal throughout the series. Like, we find her name kind of dropped into places related to what other characters have done. And so it's I like getting to pull her together, like pull all those pieces together so you can really see how... Unweaving. (laughs) Unraveling. (laughs) I'm unraveling this character for you and putting it back together yes. into like an entire little package <laughs> instead of getting like 
Because for me, I, I lose things like that. Like, I read the series, and especially when I had to wait for them to come out one after another, I'm going to forget minor characters. So, like, oh, the yeah. Tara getting tossed in every once in a while, I was just like, okay, this person. And kind of, like, slid past it yeah. in my reading yeah. to get to, like, the main characters. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like when I read it, it's much more as oh definitely from you know from up now if I ever see the name guitar somewhere it's like a flash (laughs) you know like a flashing light like pay attention pay attention Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. something's gonna get dropped on you Mm -hmm. that makes this whole story happen so yeah well done well done okay so I have a question Mm -hmm. do you feel like within new spring we get a definite who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Like, what's the main conflict? Who are the villains? Or is it much more, you know, mysterious <laughs> kind of? I think, I think, if there's a villain, it has to be pointed to the Black Aja. Mm-hmm. They are the main villain. Um, yeah, I and we they're... we don't find out until you know pretty late on, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, look what look how me and you went through <laughs> the, almost the whole yeah. book until we finally get to the end. Where like we have feelings about Ryan, <laughs> you know, but it, it mm-hmm. it's not. You, you can't be sure reading mm-hmm. this book, and that's that's another reason why it's fun is because mm-hmm. you have to keep guessing. Yeah, but yeah, Black Aja, Dark Friends. Definitely, I would say, are the villains. And then I almost feel like it's questionable that time that we get in the beginning with Moraine and Swan. Mm-hmm. Um, within the White Tower, mm-hmm. you kind of get the feeling that, you know, there's these deaths. So you're getting the feeling that something's going on, but you mm-hmm. don't know at that point that it is actually Black Aja. I mean, we had obviously, like, we guessed. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh, Black Aja <laughs> immediately. Yeah. But yeah. if you're just kind of starting out in the series and, you know, maybe you pick up New Spring, it might not be that clear at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it, I had definite questions about who was trustworthy within the tower. Mm-hmm. And I thought that there were definitely villains, you know, within. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to see that the Black Aja has infiltrated basically the highest positions of the tower. Second highest. Yeah. And I mean, and not even just that, but like the head of the Red Red Aja twice over was also Black Aja. Mm -hmm. And so she has control over the largest Aja in the tower, Mm -hmm. which is terrifying. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's, they just got in everywhere. And it was so startling to see, like, you really just can't trust anyone. Because even if people weren't Black Aja, there was a very good possibility that a sister who was would be able to get information. Do, yeah. Yeah. yeah like, you can't tell things. anything to anyone. You can't mm-hmm. have any secrets. You can't tell anyone any secrets because if that gets out, you know, it's way too easy for all of these Black Aja members to kind of like sniff out. I mm-hmm. mean, they found out about Guitar's prophecy. So mm-hmm. if they were be- if they were yep. able to find out something that important, that secret, 
Can you really hold any secrets within the tower? I don't think so. Yeah. What it's... What's the saying? Only secrets only safe if out of the two people that know it, only you know one person is dead. <laughs> like that's what we've got here. That's the kind mm-hmm. of situation. Very much so. Yeah. It's a. Uh... It's definitely life or death, mm-hmm. and we see that as we as we move forward in the book that the Black Aja and what they they mm-hmm. choose to do has serious consequences, including yeah. the death of a lot of people. Yeah, I a would definitely, I would agree. I would say that's the main conflict, and mm-hmm. you know there there are many minor conflicts along the way, but this is definitely the one you know the mm-hmm. big one that stands out. Yeah same that's that's to me the black eyes is just kind of i don't know they aren't really the main villain throughout the series but they are definitely a tool Mm -hmm. of the main villains and yeah they're a weapon yeah they wreak havoc within the tower and even though we like shit on the white tower (laughs) and some of the things (laughs) i mean we do um their importance in the world is it's huge. Huge. Yeah. Like people respect them. People look to them for advice and guidance. They are a 3,000 year old mm-hmm. institution that to the public eye has never broken. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like kings and queens and borders may come and go, but Aes Sedai will be there to help make sure things make sense. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not totally a fault just of the White Tower itself because you have to, you have to hold some accountability because they also produce these amazing people, you know, look Mm -hmm. at Moraine and Swan, they're just, you know, little girls, basically, they're young women, Mm -hmm. and they're able to do so much good, look at, you know, Elaine and Mm -hmm. um, Egwene, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just an Egwene. I, I almost feel like Egwene's is how she is, maybe more in due to the wise ones. <laughs> I think so. But, but um, yeah, I, I, it's obviously if you're a good person going into the tower, chances mm-hmm. are you will come out of, you know, the test for the shawl a good person and a good Aes Sedai. I guess the problem is just that there's not so many good people out there in this yeah, world. So, that's what it feels like. Like, it just yeah. feels like every corner you turn, there's a dark friend or someone who's part of the Black Aja doing something terrible. But, yeah, but I guess I, w- I would say that living in this world... I mean, just think it. Think of like the people in the borderlands, like seeing Chalik attacks year after year, day after day, and people just think of the people in Emmons Field where <laughs> their spring is supposed to be coming, yet you know nothing's thawing, and mm-hmm. the animals aren't having any, you know, babies, and yeah. things are looking really bad. So. There's a lot of chaos and unknowns in this world. So I can see where there would be people who are, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say like fed up or something, but just, you know, not, if they're, if they're not happy and they're living in a kind of chaotic world, it's easy to get pulled away from the light, I guess. Yep. Well, and I think 
Sherriam is a really good example of that because she chose to become Black Aja because she thought it would give her power. And that's what she wanted, but she couldn't get that inside the tower. And she also never expected the Dark One to come back while she was alive. Like, she yeah. <laughs> she gambled that she would do this, and as had happened for centuries, nothing terrible would happen, and she could just kind of fly under the radar and not do anything truly awful. But then shit goes down, and Sherium pays the price for it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I, I feel as though, especially in the White Tower, that is how the Black Aja is able to recruit. And I think we've touched on this in past episodes, but, like, it's that desire for power. It's that mm-hmm. desire for recognition that drives yeah. a lot of, and, of and women an un- inside. Yeah, and in an mm-hmm. uncertain world, people, that's what they want. They want power. Mm-hmm. They want stability for themselves. So mm-hmm. I understand. Like, yeah, definitely. I think I think right now, considering the standing of the world during a global yeah. pandemic, yeah, yeah, I'd really like things to just be, you know, even keel. Yeah, and if someone came nice to you and, and said, hey, I can give you all of this power, you know, and you will, you know, you won't be hungry, you won't need for anything, you'll always mm-hmm. be taken care of, and maybe you might live forever, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> How about life eternal? How does that sound? Yeah. Oh, hmm. Okay. Right. Cool. Cool. What do I need to do? Nothing, you say? <laughs> Just tell you'll you things? You'll call me? Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll call, call me, me when you need me? <laughs> Send me a pigeon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to – here's what I was thinking. I've got some themes, and mm-hmm. I'm going to read these out, and if you want, tell me what comes, like, right to mind. Like, oh, you okay, know? okay. Not, it doesn't have to be, like, rapid fire, but – That's cool. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, so the first one is Courage in New Spring. Mm. I – oh, this is so cheesy. I immediately think of um, – like our top three characters, like okay. Land, Moraine, and Swan. Okay, it's definitely. Instantly, bam, there they are. Okay, sacrifice. Foolish in some cases, yeah, but mostly courageous. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Just want to just want to acknowledge that. Uh, what was the other one? Sacrifice. Ooh, Land. Land. Mm-hmm. I also see Moraine giving up the Sun Throne is a big mm-hmm. sacrifice, but I, I feel like she didn't really want it, so. Mm-mm. Yeah, but I feel as though Lan has made some various serious sacrifices. Mm. And Bukama. Yeah. Yes, like giving up any sort of a normal life to raise Lan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, That's class. <laughs> Moraine and Swan. <laughs> yeah. Immediately. Ooh, and the Elida. No- oh, yes, Elida. Elida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the noble falls. woman and the fisherman's daughter. Mm-hmm. Love it. And the the lower nobility woman who, like, wants to be oh, more. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really, it's really cool that we get this almost class structure of within the White Tower, there is, you know, the mm-hmm. deference levels mm-hmm. between. And it is kind of, it is kind of a class, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And then once Moraine is on the road and she's, you know, handing out these... Um, have some money. Yeah, the money to women that have had children and stuff. She's 
seeing a lot of these people that are just common, you know, villagers. And Mm -hmm. so we we do get to see, I think, some fun things throughout the book based on class. Definitely. I I agree. I agree. And how it gets realigned based on where you are. Yeah. Even even within the Aishadar palace, Mm -hmm. we see, too, how... Yeah, because, yeah, like, Swan is able to, in her Suki guys, yeah. like, be a servant and go about the palace without anybody paying attention to mm-hmm. her because that's how nobility treats servants, which, mm-hmm. I mean, rude. <laughs> <laughs> also, also historic, though. Yeah. Um, there's, there's this really good. Very accurate. Yeah, there's this really good BBC documentary. I don't remember the presenter's name, uh, and I'm not going to go off on a huge tangent, but she basically talks about servants from, like, the end of the 18th century through, like, mid-20th century. Um, But some households would make servants turn their faces to the wall when the person who was above them walked by. So you could just like walk by them. The person you have to like turn your head, turn your face to the wall. (laughs) Don't even look at them. Don't do it. Oh God. Okay. How demeaning. So yeah. So poor Swan slash Suki goes through this experience as a servant. I laugh every time I hear Suki, and I don't know why. (laughs) Because it's funny. Okay. Funny. Suki. 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 The next one is so easy, but companionship. Oh, um, this definitely is a Swan Moraine one for me. Mm -hmm. They're so sweet as friends. I just love that. And I also also see like a lack of companionship for certain Mm. characters, too, where Mm -hmm. I feel like if they had had someone, (laughs) you know. They just Elida. had someone. Oh, yeah, Elida, especially. That Yeah, that reminds me of our video or voice message from Shelby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's just looking to make friends, but she's going to be real picky about who it is. Yeah. And unfortunately, Moraine is like, nah, I have a nah. fisherman's daughter to hang out with. Yeah. You go do your thing. I'm going to hang out with this girl. She's way smart. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the two of them as friends. It's just so, it's so endearing. It is. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next one is empowerment. Ooh, empowerment. <sighs> wow, that's a hard one. I mean, I think, I think the main thing is wh- when I think of it, I see the, the want, the willingness to just get that test for the shawl over mm-hmm. and done with so that mm-hmm. they can have, like, power of their own where people mm-hmm. can no longer tell them what to do, so they think. <laughs> right, yeah, because I, I, that's where my that's where I come up against a wall is, like, the first thing I, think, I kind of think of is becoming an Aes Sedai and the power that that gives you and that that feels empowering empowering (laughs) that's actually kind of hard to say but i i feel as though like (laughs) serene is that their couple names (laughs) 
That's it. I'm taking away the sparkling <laughs> cider. <laughs> Cut off. <laughs> I haven't even finished a full glass yet. <laughs> I know. I was oh. going to say, you just had like one sip. Oh. I it's am, still I early. It's still lively. early your time. It's still early. It's, I've, I've had three cups of coffee. I'm sort of good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Swan and Moraine are kind of pulled up short after yeah. they get their test and then they go in and they're like that's so true by the way so true we know we've told you to kind of totally disregard the whole age and strength and the one power thing but as of now but... that's what determines where you stand in the hierarchy of Aes Sedai so mm-hmm. welcome to the club and now start judging each other yeah and Swan not Swan Moraine sees it and is I remember from in the book she says how how far from o- deference is it to obedience? Yeah. And so she has this concern for women who don't have strength and the power that they're going to become doormats. <laughs> yeah. And and put into places that they may not necessarily have chosen for themselves just because of their mm-hmm. their strength and the power is lacking. And so um while the the white tower seems like it should be empowering it feels like it's always like hooray you're super powerful now mm-hmm. hold up putting a leash on you not really yeah. like a seldam domine mm-hmm. whatever thing but like there are so many restrictions when you become an Aes Sedai that the empowerment part kind of feels a little less empowering yeah <laughs> No, yeah, definitely. That makes sense. It's well, yeah, it's you know, looking through things with like rose colored glasses mm-hmm. from afar, you think, oh, okay, once that I'm do- once I'm done with this step, then everything will be fine. Exactly. And then as soon as you know you get past it, you're jumping through hoops and going through the next, you know, set yep. of problems. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's oh yeah, yeah. I would and even oh. Oh, no, no, go ahead. (laughs) No, 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 go ahead, because mine is totally off topic. Okay, I'm just thinking about um, Lady Eden. That's okay, that was what I was going to (laughs) say. Of course it is. Of course it is. That's what I was going to say. Her, the way that she just is kind of like, what is it? Come to me, come to me now, sweetling, or whatever it is. Like, Yeah, that she that was she was she was all for the empowerment for herself, for her family, Mm -hmm. for her daughter, despite how weird. And I mean, to us, it's weird, maybe not to them, but but off putting, definitely off putting. Let's go. Let's go have sex after we've talked about how you're going to marry my daughter. The creep factor on that is just so high for me. Definitely. I th- I think that's something that I appreciate about Jordan's writing is he really doesn't shy away from things that will potentially make the reader mm. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like he has created this particular culture, and in this particular culture, this is not that unusual. And it's so, just how they do it. Exactly. For us, it's kind of like, oh man, that's so mm. wrong. Yeah, but maybe for in Melchior, it's just totally fine. Just any other day. Just and another I, day. I, yeah, I find that. I mean, even even is, is it Asel, Asela, her daughter? She's Isel, like she's, Isela. Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, she just is like, yeah, I know my mom wants me to do this thing. But I'm and gonna I guess run, I'll have yeah. to. And she's but, like, I'm going to run away to the tower where I can have my own empowerment. So mm-hmm. That's what you think. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maureen even is like, you might want to think about choosing your Aja. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a little ways down the road. Right. Like, so funny. Anyway, like there, there is empowerment in certain places, but there always seems to be some sort of check mm-hmm. on that level of power. And I, I find in the series that it's when that check on power isn't there that things feel really chaotic. So like certain choices that the Forsaken choose to make that set things off or even with like the black aja choosing to hunt down all of the the men who could potentially challenge in an attempt to kill the dragon reborn Mm -hmm. like it's when they choose to go outside not necessarily the rule of law but like what rules certain Mm -hmm. areas because it's different for every group but it's when those things happen that it's just like what the fuck shitstorm? <laughs> <Like a> Jackson Pollock. <laughs> a yes. Jackson Pollock of what the fuck. <laughs> and there's no stepping back from it thinking it's beautiful. It's really just a mess. I do yeah. not understand that man's popularity. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You actually kind of hit a nerve with Jackson Pollock. <laughs> okay. So maybe Sorry. we'll go to the next <laughs> the next theme. Growth. <laughs> My growth past hating Jackson Pollock. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I feel like growth from... is relatively easy. I I choose Moraine on this one mm-hmm. because there is it's it's actually like I know one of our questions coming up is like our favorite quotes, but like there is that moment where she's attacking Land by dumping the pond on him, and his response to it is like seeing childish glee at pulling the prank and childish disappointment at his lack of response Mm -hmm. to it and so I feel as though she's still in that prankster accepted slash Aes Sedai but not quite fully Aes Sedai yet Mm -hmm. as she's starting out this journey but I feel by the moment she bonds Lan Mm -hmm. she has had she has been forced into this position of growth Mm -hmm. like would she have killed someone if this like at this point in her life as a 22 year old brand new Aes Sedai would killing a sister have ever crossed her mind and the repercussions of it of what happened with Lady Asel as she's falling from Moraine's hands basically like Mm -hmm. she is thrust into this position that is truly tragic and traumatizing for her. And I feel like that moment, she fully steps up to be who she is. And I feel as though in the book, that's what we're always leading towards, is Moraine becoming the woman we see her as. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think Lan, for the most part, too, having to come to terms with what his end story will be. Yeah. Losing Bukama and (laughs) almost getting married away to some crazy woman's daughter and just, you know, how how he maneuvers this situation and how he ends, you know, how things end at the end of the book, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially with his distaste for Aes Sedai blatantly out there from, 
I think even the beginning of the from, book. Yeah, from the beginning. He's like, yeah. I don't like them. I don't want anything to do with them. And then to find out the reason behind it. Yeah, it's the and... very first chapter in the hook. He's like, well, mm-hmm. if we leave, we better avoid Tarvalin because I don't want to run into any of those Aes Sedai. <laughs> he hates them. <clears throat> and I mean, we we find out why and it's understandable. And I think the the fact that Moraine chooses him, chooses him to be honest with him is what really makes him trust her. And I think she was really smart in making Lan a person she could trust. I think that was really insightful of her despite all of her pranks that she pulled on him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on him. Poor guy. I really do feel for Poor him. Baby. She was Yeah. And I mean, if she was trying to annoy the shit out of him <laughs> And see if he would break in... Mission accomplished. Yeah. I mean, what a good test to see if somebody can handle being your warder than to just... Hey, that's true. That's like, ah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Just annoy the shit out of him. Be the worst version of yourself possible. <laughs> and if he's still willing to say yes... Yeah. Like, now you can be your normal self around him. <laughs> Moraine needs one of those t-shirts. What's the saying? Like, <laughs> if you can't handle me at my worst, <laughs> then you don't deserve me at my best. <laughs> Someone please Lan. make that t-shirt. <laughs> if I, no, seriously, what, if Moraine. I had read something like that, I would have been like, <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Me too. Hmm. Good <laughs> thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what I think of. So okay. moving on. <laughs> moving on. Did you have any favorite settings or locations? Um, just anything that sticks out. I think what I really liked was the travel section mm-hmm. where they're going from Canloom to Chachin. Yeah, that was my answer. Borderlands. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. just love it. It's so like there's that one section where Lan is it's Lan's point of view and he's observing that there aren't any solitary farms in between cities and villages and towns and whatnot because a farm left to its own is soon a graveyard. Mm -hmm. To travel through an area like that where there is constant danger at any moment is, I don't know, it's kind of bracing for like the worst all the time. And just Maureen handles it with... This is one of those things where... um, this, this is obviously, like, a topic that I want to talk about later, but what you just brought up is something that I think, even if it's just this quote exactly, needs to mm-hmm. be in the TV series Yeah, at some point, <laughs> because I think it's really the only way to explain how scary this world is. Yes. Yeah, and show borderland villages with the heads of Trollocs on spikes outside the borders of their village. On Beltine, nonetheless. Exactly. On a day of celebration. Yep, because that's just life for them. Yeah. That's that's just normal, everyday life. And to see that they celebrate life, to see that they enjoy color and are passionate in their restrained kind of way is... Mm -hmm. 
it's almost as though you are forced to recognize your mortality every single day. So you might as well grab what you can yeah. to the best of your ability today. And yeah. I think that that's one of the things that's kind of like understated but really beautiful about the Borderlanders. Definitely. There's, yeah, we need to have like a, we need to get Rob <laughs> on an episode and do Borderland, Borderland discussion. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um. So this is kind of <laughs> this is kind of interesting, and I I know exactly what my answer would be. <laughs> so it, the question is: Are there any moments that you disagree with, like of a character's <laughs> actions? And straight off the bat, we had just talked about this, but when that woman tries to poison Moraine with poison wine, or you know, like give her a roofie, you know, I don't know if it was poison, but Yes, but something. Something that makes her, that would make her fall asleep in Moraine doesn't, she uses this fear-inducing weave and makes her drink this poisoned um, wine. Mm -hmm. And then Moraine leaves her there to be robbed or assaulted in some way. And when I read that, I was like, Moraine, like, I love you, but that's messed up. (laughs) Yes. Harsh. Yes. I have that on my list as well. I was like, that one, that really bothered me. But I almost feel like maybe Robert Jordan left that in because at the end of the book, Lan mentions, like, you're a hard, you know, like, you're a hard woman, you know? Mm -hmm. She's (laughs) like, I'm only as hard as I need to be. Yeah, yeah. Which is totally an echo of Rand. Mm -hmm. I think there are a couple times in there where she says something close to that, and I'm like, oh, you're, you're Rand. It kind of like that's what he says all the time as well so yeah that one bothered me um the mice prank i still feel was really foolish <laughs> why would they do that i, I mean, don't know the mice prank is hilarious though i mean it's really funny and it does just it solidifies the fact if you were wondering that becoming Aes Sedai was going to make them mature I women. Almost, I almost feel like the whole mouse prank was them thinking this is our last night to be young girls. And after yeah. this test, like, we're, we're women now. We, you know, we can't have any petty fun. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just, you know, like the One equivalent. last hurrah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I can see that. But it's still something that I would have still. been like, hmm. And Maureen, of course, has second thoughts about it the day after. And she says it like she wishes she would have been able to talk Maureen out of or Swan out of doing that mm-hmm. and instead went along with it. But, yeah, that was one. And then Eden wanting to marry her daughter to Lan, which we already yeah. talked about. But that's definitely a character decision that I was like, mm, no, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Yikes. Okay. So those were the those were the ones that I had. I definitely had the one about Maureen leaving that poor woman. Okay. Yeah. And the next one is exciting. Are there any exciting moments and favorite quotes? <laughs> I have I have definitely more than one. Um I don't I don't necessarily know if this ma- moment counts as exciting, but for me it was It can it doesn't have to be like high Okay. energy or anything no but for you was... like what okay, <laughs> something perfect. that pulls you in <laughs> this one where um it's as moraine and swan are entering the chamber to become Aes Sedai 
And in the book, it says, hand in hand, they entered together, a smooth face and a steady tread, neither hurrying nor lagging back. The will of the tower awaited them in the flesh. And for me, that's like a goosebump moment. Like, yeah, it's really pretty. It's just. <laughs> they're holding hands. They're becoming Aes Sedai together. Mm-hmm. And I just, like you had and mentioned they, companionship, and they are so yeah. that. I love it. And they mentioned that that was, that's the only time in history that two sisters have been raised together, mm-hmm. like at the yeah. same time. Of course, of course. Yeah. You would do that. It's just, I love that one. In mine, it was in the Deeps um, mm-hmm. chapter where it starts out, you know, only in stories did one man face six without injury. Mm-hmm. And Robert Jordan is naming all of the sword forms, you know, like the rose unfolds and, you know, he's saying duty was a mountain, death a feather. And mm-hmm. um, my favorite part, though, of this whole, you know, long paragraph is where he's naming all the sword forms you know kissing the adder dandelion and the wind Mm -hmm. and then he's explaining how time slowed like cool honey Uh and I just I just love that I think it's so it's such a beautiful like literary way to describe Mm -hmm. this really intense fast-paced moment Mm -hmm. and yeah I kind of good one I kind of knew you were going to pick that (laughs) (laughs) I know maybe because when we covered that chapter I was like I couldn't stop I was like it's just so beautiful (laughs) yeah I just love it so much (laughs) that's the thing about Lamb's point of view chapters is they're almost poetic in some ways they're yeah there's just such a hard gruff man exactly gets these pretty pretty narrative chapters and also like a sentimentality and emotion that doesn't really come mm. across in land when you're just looking at him from the outside. So mm-hmm. I really and actually I wrote down four exciting moments. All of chapter 16 question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the deep? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just I think seriously, if I had to pick a best chapter in the book that I'd be like, just read this chapter. It Ooh. would be that one. It's yeah. just so freaking lively. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you would say that because I figured you would pick, you know, at least something with Moray. <laughs> I normally okay. would, and there are some very good Moraine chapters, but for me, that is the best written. It's the most entertaining. It is the liveliest scene. I think. In I feel like in Robert Jordan's eyes, like he wants to be Lan. Like I think maybe that Ooh. is his like idea of how a man is supposed to be. How interesting, <laughs> you know. I like that because like he was, that. you know, he was in the military. He mm-hmm. was in wars. He's seen wars, so I feel like, you know, there's obviously a very strong attachment to Lan mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. But mm. okay. Yeah. Should we go ahead and take our break now? Yeah, did you want to do that or uh, do you favorite quotes and then take a break? I already gave my favorite quote, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a couple. Does that do surprise you? Okay. you? Yeah, yeah. Go uh, for it. Okay. Let's go for so, it. So favorite quotes. <laughs> Don't hate me. Uh, so Moraine <laughs> thinking about... <laughs> Don't hate me. <laughs> I have so many Are of them. You, was there a different book that you read that I didn't? Because 
<laughs> now I'm scared. <laughs> I just pulled quite a few and I'm like, oh man, this is a lot. I'm not, I won't do all of them. Um, so Moraine thinking about the dwindling of the size of mm. the White Tower and her thoughts being numbers that still burned like acid. No, I said I would say it aloud and she would never dare say it where a sister might hear. But the White Tower was failing. The tower was failing and the last battle was coming. Dun, dun, Ooh, duh. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. like that one. I almost feel like that could have been like on the last page mm-hmm. of the book yeah. just because it's like this is what's coming. Yeah, and instead it's kind of like hidden in like the, the chapter where they're and she she has these thoughts a lot where she's very aware that the tower is just not holding the numbers that it should mm. and there's something happening, there's something wrong. And so I liked it for it being like the repeat idea throughout the book, but also because it's Yeah. Yeah. Just the way it's written, I thought was really mm-hmm. good. Well, and then it's 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 parroted by Cadswain mm-hmm. later on. Yes. So yeah, like they they are aware, but like I think it's it's one of those puzzle pieces that Moraine kind of drops into place, especially as they start thinking about the reality of a Black Aja. So mm-hmm. I, I liked that uh, the need to educate the Dragon Reborn. It's kind of like this little mini discussion between. Moraine and Swan about finding him and what they would do. And again, Moraine is thinking the Dragon Reborn would have to be educated. He would need to know as much of politics as any queen, as much of war as any general, as much of history as oh, any scholar. Oh, that's so important because she tries so hard. She tries hard. so hard. She tries and he just so keeps hard. pushing her away and pushing her away and she's like, I will do anything. Yep. Like, just <laughs> like, she has made this vow. She recognizes this need 20 mm-hmm. years before she gets to be in the presence of the person she's been looking for for this it's long. It's a very dutiful, like, blue mm-hmm. trait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's always just pushing her away. He's like, nah, I got this. I'm good. I'll ask anyone Back else off, for lady. advice except you, which just doesn't make any sense. Rand, come on <laughs> Back now. off, you crazy little woman. <laughs> <laughs> you little doll of a woman. Yeah. And then after... Moraine and Swan become sisters and they are in the blue Aja. They restart friendships that they had when they were accepted, especially with Leanne. And I I loved this. Friends lightened many burdens, even those they did not know of. And I just think that that's really sweet because I feel like Moraine probably feels really friendless, especially as she's moving through her life. Leanne is her constant companion, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's like her bestie. Like he's not right, right. He's he, not, it's not the same relationship no. as her and Swan. Exactly. And those are they're not going to giggle those are about the how... relationships that people lament. You know, when you're an old, when you're older, mm-hmm. and when your life has settled down, and you always think back to when you were a teenager and the things you did with you know your best friend mm-hmm. and the fun that you had. Yeah, and that's. I feel like that's has to be something that's going through Moraine's mind as she's traveling the countryside with Lan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. taking on this immense, you know, hunt mm-hmm. and and a a, a world changing possibility. You know? Yeah. It there's there's and, so much that rides on them being able to make mm-hmm. this discovery before the Black Aja gets to Yeah, I'm sure she looks back on, you know, I'm sure she looks back on her prank with Swan, the mice in the bed is like, 
funny and hilarious going on now versus, you know, treacherous, dangerous traveling and being on the road and not knowing what to expect. I'm sure she looks back on looks back on that moment and was like, oh, that you know what? I'm glad that we did that together. (laughs) (laughs) The spanking was worth it. (laughs) No regrets. I loved it. Yeah. No rag rats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, uh, land coming back to the borderlands in the very opening of the chapter, the line is, the air of Kandor held the sharpness of new spring when land returned to the lands where he had always known he would die. Would die. Ugh. We, we covered yeah. that one, and I love it still. Um, that whole chapter, just, yeah. So good. And then, of course, we can't ignore this one. By tomorrow, she announced in a throaty voice and loudly, I'll have honored you till your knees won't hold you up. <laughs> I knew I knew that was going to come out somewhere. I had to. I almost, I had it on, I, I have it on my phone saved just in case it doesn't get brought up because it needs to be in this discussion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Raucous laughter flared at the tables around them. I just loved it. I just loved it. I want it. that bar scene. Yes. Me yeah. too. Me too. Or one like it. Give us a bar scene like this. Mm-hmm. It's the best bar scene in the series. I just love it. You know how they could do that is, you know, if if Amazon does, you know, if we get the whole series, mm-hmm. if, they, if it ends up happening, they would have to have some type of flashback or something Mm -hmm. before he marries Nynaeve and it would have to show you know like his how he's changed like his uncertainness and kind of like this this kind of like strange situation where it's kind of like a haha moment in Mm -hmm. this bar to him being like okay this is the woman that I love Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yes yeah um and then the the last one that I put in here, I have a couple others, but I'm just going to make this my last one. Um, a formidable opponent, the woman who wore part of his soul in her hair. And that was mm. Lan thinking about Lady Le- Eden. Edith. And again, Eden. it's just that, that bit of almost poetry in the way that it's yeah. said and the way that it's done. So, but there is no, yeah, there is, there is... <laughs> There's no way that you can get through this book without appreciating how it's written because there are so many beautiful moments. It's really wonderful. And now we should definitely take a break. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'll call you in a minute. Okay. And we're back. I'm back. Slap on my headphones, adjust my glasses. (laughs) (sighs) I always have to. Maybe more sparkling wine moments. Mm, yeah, one. I just, this is like, I just poured out the last mm. bit. Got a nice little, that wine is so good. Oh, so I made these. They're a type of German Christmas cookie with Simon's mm. mom on Friday. Fun. And I was thinking of you because I feel like they're so close to your meringues. Mm. Meringue, what is it? Meringue cookies. Okay, all it is is, you know, like the egg whites and sugar Uh whipped up, like super fluffy. Mm -hmm. And then all you do is you mix it with like toasted like almond, Mm -hmm. like chunks of toasted almond and dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like half and half. 
And then you get these like really fluffy, chocolatey, like mm. light. They're almost like brownie like in flavor, though. They're so good. Okay. <laughs> and I was making those with you and I was like, oh my God, this reminds me of something that Tracy would make. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna try that out. I'm I can on- send you yeah. I'll send you a link. And if I can't find an English one, I will write all of this i can translate all the steps because it's super easy like it's just really awesome easy. <laughs> it sounds really good i i made some maple meringues that were Ooh, just yum. like oh they turned out so good they turned out so good with these like you just it as it cools down they start to get kind of chunky in texture and you just spoon it out and like drop them in little you know you can't get them in a perfect little circle. There's no way. Right. But you just like kind of drop them on like baking paper mm-hmm. and then <laughs> they fluff up and oh my God, they're so good. Yeah. Okay. I want to, I want to make those. Do you want to read out some of these topics on, on the main page? Yeah. Let me get back. I feel to like you. I've been asking. Oh no, I love it. I love it. You've okay. been giving such a good direction to us. You've been keeping okay. us totally on on target. Then I can then I can keep doing it. I just didn't want you cool. to feel like I'm like oh no no not at all narrating or something. <laughs> no, I, I love it when you when you do that. It really is super helpful for me because I'll just sit and go on tangents like forever. <laughs> oh, I will too. <laughs> I will too. So I definitely okay. appreciate you like keeping us on track and stuff. Yeah. All right, so should we hop into it? So we did favorite quotes, Mm -hmm. and we did exciting moments. Did we do the history one? Have we done that already? Okay. No. All right. Do you want to go there, or is there another spot to go to? Nope, that's the one. Uh, Cool. I I want you to read this out because you're the one that, like, wrote this down, and my comment off to the side says, brilliant, and I mean it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have to, okay, for this next one, you know, like, I have to incorporate some type of historical something in there for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so So much. So this was with Tracy in mind. (laughs) So for a book written in the 90s, do you think there are any moments from history that Robert Jordan might have been inspired by? Mm -hmm. And for me, I kind of just picked a couple. Uh Uh-huh. And the first one that stood out to me was how in the 90s, basically, the KGB topples. And at that point, the nation kind of, you know, they picked their, you know, first semi-elected um, representative. Like, was it Boris Boris Yeltsin, Yeltsin. I think? And then, yeah. And then after that, that's when Putin came into power. But... It all kind of started with the KGB toppling, and that was in 1990-ish, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that was the first kind of big thing that stood out to me. Mm -hmm. So, like, my main thought was, obviously from this book, we have so many kind of spy-like networks Mm -hmm. (laughs) going on. Yeah. And I definitely see that within the Black Aja and I definitely see that within um, the Blue Aja's Eyes and Ears Network. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, I'm not saying that this is definitely because 
Robert Jordan was like, oh, the KGB, I'm going to add in, you know, all of this stuff. But it was something that was very impactful for people during this time. Mm-hmm. And if it might have inspired something, I could definitely see how you could pull elements of a, you know, fantastic spy network mm-hmm. somewhere within the series or within New Spring. So the first thing that kind of pops to mind with the idea of a spy network for me is Elizabeth I mm-hmm. of England. I should probably put that out there just in case. She used spies and spy networks and coded letters and things like that to ooh yeah to like exert her power there's even a painting of her uh i i don't i it might be the rainbow portrait but i don't remember for sure what it's called but she's wearing this gown that has eyes and ears is that the one with the big like like shouldery like well, she just poofs. about always wore those. Like that was <laughs> okay. It's really it's like Elizabeth the first wardrobe and what she chose to do with it is just one of the incredible things about her as a monarch that I will not get into. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when we do our um, our clothing, yeah, like, on whatever. I I feel as though it's mostly anyway. Um, so this portrait, she's wearing these eyes and ears on her dress, and it's a statement to anybody who would see it that Ooh, she is like, always, she can bitch, always I see know. them. Exactly. <laughs> she can always see them. She can always hear them. She always knows what's happening in her kingdom, so don't fuck with her. And so, mm-hmm. like, when I think Spy Network, I think even further back to that point. And it's only because I'm obsessed with Elizabeth I. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, Louis the Fourteenth used code breakers in his palace at Versailles because he was always looking for people who were trying to undermine his Mm -hmm. power who inevitably were using coded letters to each other so the ideas of spies and the ideas of like the game of houses is something that Mm -hmm. is very historical and I I loved that you asked that question and you were able (laughs) you were able to connect it to the 1990s because and I wrote I wrote this down in my in my document as I was writing responses to you I am not a modern day historian historian and what I know of the time I was of the time when I was a child and teenager and most of my adulthood is embarrassing for me to admit (laughs) (laughs) but there it is the historical times that jump out to me are most of are most often those of the late Middle Ages. Like, that's okay. where I see a lot oh, yeah. of the historical. Yeah. And I think most people do, too. But I was like, oh, Amber, you're so good to be able <laughs> to do this. Because I'm like, is it after the Industrial Revolution? Well, we, I mean, we we can make a pretty strong argument that Robert Jordan was definitely, definitely into history. There's no oh doubt my God, about yeah. it. None. So... So I think, I think it's even in like his bio that he admits to being like a, a big fan of history or something. And I'm like, yes, of course you yeah. are. Of course you are. That just makes sense. <sighs> and then the, did you have anything else that you wanted to add to that one? Uh, for the history one? No, that was I was just really uh, I loved that question. I thought it was such a okay. good question. <laughs> yeah. OK, the next one is another 90s moment 90s era moment and that was the gulf war and the reason this stood out to me is because 
when we get the opening pages, the first chapter of New Spring with Lan um, going into battle against the Aiel, mm-hmm. they mention the, um, the Grand or the Great Coalition. Mm-hmm. And that is all of these nations within, you know, this universe. Mm-hmm. So they they all came together against one nation, and that was the Aiel. Mm-hmm. And that made me think of the Gulf War because it, it was so similar into where that was set up as 35 nations against one. Mm-hmm. And it was in the 90s, this was a really big deal. Yeah. And if that was going on in the background while you're writing this book, maybe you think like, oh, hey, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. even if it was just just the idea of something like, oh, like all of these nations against one and we're basically going to set up, you know, n- not so much like how it was with World War One and two, where there were two sides and groups on both sides. I mean, mm-hmm. World War Two was like the Nazis, their friends and then everyone else. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, it's not so common that you have such a huge, huge, you know, massive army against Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very observant. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) And the next the next one that I thought was that was really fun is just because it's I mean, it's almost like pop culture mixed with a historical moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's only because it involves Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. And I know in the 90s, like, I can just remember when I was young and my mother loved to read everything that was going on with Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, when she publicly separated from Prince Charles, how the world was shook. Mm-hmm. Because she was like the people's princess. Everyone loved Diana, except mm-hmm. maybe Charles, Camil- Camilla, and Charles. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so she, you know, publicly separates from Prince Charles. And I mean, not much longer afterwards, she's, you know, killed in this tragic accident. Mm-hmm. But there was really a spotlight on her. And What I think is so interesting is when she decided to step away from life within the, you know, within this like royal setting, Mm -hmm. away from the monarchy, away from the palace, like away from Charles, it just reminded me so much of Moraine taking a step back and saying, you know, like, I will not be anyone's puppet any longer. Mm -hmm. You're not going to put me on the sun throne. I don't care what that means for me. I don't care about like these riches or the wealth. Like she already Mm -hmm. has her own. Yeah. You know, she has her own stuff going on. She's not needing for money at all. (laughs) But yeah, or power. Right. But she's giving up a huge position Mm -hmm. within the spotlight of, you know, this nation. Mm -hmm. She just says no and walks away from it. So I thought that, you know, that might be something. It's a little it's a little bit pop culture-y, I think, but it's also a part of, you know, it's a part of history. Mhm. I love that. And it that's probably because I've been watching The Crown. Like I just <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, isn't the newer the newer uh, this newer season is based on it has I haven't Diana watched it. it. It's very I've only good. watched the first season. 
it's very it's very well done it's I personally really enjoy it. I also really like watching the things that are like this is real and this is false because again, I'm not much of a of a modern day historian. So like I was aware of Princess Diana, but like the way that my family lived and what we watched and stuff, she wasn't really anyone that I knew outside of like the It wasn't like something story. in your household. Yeah. 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 But it I love watching things that all make me go, okay, so what really happened? And so I've yeah. been like watching documentaries about the royal family and it's just man. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. Anyway, I can definitely see what you're saying about Diana and um Moraine. And like Diana felt like when she got to that point, she felt like she was better on her own. And I feel mm-hmm. like Moraine makes that choice, too, and, like, pulls Lan into it. And, I mean, who knows what Moraine's fate would have been if she hadn't have found Lan when she did and she didn't have somebody who was constantly watching her back in such a solid yeah. manner. It kind yeah. of almost goes back to that theme of empowerment, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she wants what she wants, and you're not going to stand in the way of it. Yeah. And she get, she gets what she wants, most of the time. For she the most claws part, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like she claws and she fights for it in the way that she knows how. And she makes shit happen. And I think that's one of the reasons why Moraine is such a solid and admirable character. Mm-hmm. Is she has an agenda. And it, is she, she, is been... she Princess Diana of, <laughs> <laughs> of the Wheel of Time? <laughs> I mean, maybe... Mm. Taking on these mm-hmm. responsibilities at such a young age, feeling as though oh, she's yeah, just that's being true. tossed into the deep end to figure shit out on her own because she... And this claustrophobic clusterfuck of shit that's going down inside the White Tower. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Like, she has enemies that are out to get her because they feel that she's a threat to the royalty or the supposed presumed The hierarchy whatever. or something. Yeah, yeah, of Kyrie. And so, like, she's... She has a threat. She, I mean, she obviously doesn't have, like, international popularity the way that Diana had. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's not the way of this world. I think within the tower, though, she would have. I mean, everyone knows mm-hmm. who she is. That was why she, <laughs> that was why she was so screwed when she gets into Canloom and, like, runs and, you know, she happened to come across maybe a handful of Aes Sedai that didn't know her. She mm-hmm. was lucky for it, but then, of course, you know, like, the next day. It's yeah. like, hey, we know you. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> You're the I mouse like, girl. I... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to make sure everyone knows about it. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't very nice of Maureen. Uh, yeah, so I, I really, I appreciated the, the history thing. I liked that a Good. lot. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. The next... Oh, you're welcome. And the next topic, this one's, I think this one is all you because we had talked earlier about it. And I think what you have sums this up so well. And I think this is one of the most important takeaways and it's the goal of this book. So Mm -hmm. like in your mind, how you see it, what do you think Robert Jordan's goal was with New Spring? For me, and we talked about this before we got, like, we started recording, uh, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about in this episode is the vileness, and so I did some... You'll have to, you have to explain 
right now like a short version of what the vileness is just so for anyone that hasn't like read up on it like Mm -hmm. well I have it written out so it gives it gives an explanation all right let's do it I'm probably just going to read from this because if I don't it's going to be just this big no go for it that's perfect because this is I mean it's such an important question and it it needs to be I feel like it needs to be (laughs) <laughs> something that you've already have prepared because it's so well thought out. Oh, well, th- thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. New Spring gives the reader just a slight taste of what happened in the 20 years or so between Moraine's search for the Dragon Reborn and her finally finding him. I think we have lamented on past episodes about the lack of more prequels and we'll hope that somehow they are waiting out there in the future because why not? The material is definitely there, and I'm sure there are writers who could do it, so it could happen, right? But since we don't have enough of these prequels, all we can do is speculate over what could have happened and talk about some of the things we definitely know happened. One of those things is an Aes Sedai plot known as the Vileness. It's a big secret, even among Aes Sedai, sealed to the flame and all that good stuff. Sealed to the flame. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't talk about it. Just It's don't. only behind locked doors. It really, it really is. Like when you look at, like when you look into this, there were just a handful of people who knew about it and what had happened. And yeah, it's a very secretive, this, don't look at this. So the vileness was a program initiated and carried out by Aes Sedai, mostly Black Aja, some red, against men who may be able to channel any male of any age. For those who joined in the program, who were not part of the Black Aja, they were convinced that if the dragon had been reborn, he needed to be disposed of and aimed to execute any man they found without the formal trials the Tower demanded. Since they couldn't actually murder a man who could channel because of the three oaths, they would gentle the man and then let the mob make the decision of what to do with him. Tom's nephew Owen was a victim of this program. An estimated 2,000 deaths attached to the vileness and the death of at least one, if not two, Amarillan seats. So, yeah, it's a genocide on men who could channel, and it basically just runs rampant over the Westlands for about six years. So, this genocide of men who could channel or even might be able to came about because the Black Aja began hearing rumors that the death of Guitar Morosa, which happened in the first chapters of New Spring, was connected with a foretelling, one that had the Amarillan seat secretly and fervently making plans with senior sisters of her former Aja. Senior for both age and strength. The women she called to her were some of the most powerful, well-regarded in the tower. This adds to the tragedy that surround, surrounded Guitar's foretelling. The Black Aja freaked out, thinking that the bustle was about them. <laughs> Parentheses, <laughs> even the Black Aja thinks everything is about them. And so conceited. You're right? so vain. <laughs> you probably ex- think this <laughs> prophecy's about you, don't you? <laughs> Sorry. That's, no, thank you, because that's exactly what plays in my head when I'm like looking at the Black Aja is that song. Um, thank you. That was perfect. I needed that. Um, <laughs> so. The Black Aja choose to strike straight at the source, kidnapping and torturing Tamara to acquire information. And Tamara is the current 
Amarlin's seat. When yeah, when we start out in the books, Tamara is the Amarlin. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Just so that everyone's on the same page. They are able to find out that the foretelling they were worried about had to do with the Dragon Reborn and that their secret being that the Black Aja existed remained safe. Tamara died during this interrogation and was found dead in her bed the next morning, but she had not given up the birth date. So the Black Aja has no idea the age of this potential boy man that they would be looking for. So the Black is this Aja what happens is this what happens with Logan or is this later on? Is this is this Logan is, too late this to is be actually I think Logan would be too late to be part of this particular pogrom. I think that's how you say it. Um, okay. But it's still it, it almost seems like this mob mentality is still yes. going on to up until, you know, our main series starts. And Yeah. I think yeah. there were enough sisters around the capturing of Logan that the idea that had been part of this earlier genocide period was still there. So I think that's why he was gentled immediately. Oh, no, wait. Was Loghain brought to the... He's in Eye of the World. He We get we get him... Um, he was when, in Camelot. Right before... Yeah, right before... He's, Rand is in Camelot. Right before he, like, climbs the wall to mm-hmm. meet... Elaine, he passes Loghain, like, in a cage, basically. Yeah. So getting, he like, would have put on parade through the city. He would have been brought to the tower, and his gentling would have been done in the the legal fashion, I think. Mm-hmm. But then he says that there was a It was a plot still a him. Red Aja plot to, for mm-hmm. him to say. They tricked him into saying he's the dragon reborn, and then they... Yes. They set him, him up to be a, a false dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so possibly so those reds. Of, yeah. 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 Maybe some of those reds were still alive at this point. <laughs> Who knows? I, I mean, they were. Elida was loosely part of it. I'm trying to think. Uh, Galena Caspin was part of it. Um, but anyway, so the Black Aja knows that the dragon has been reborn and they decide that they must be the ones to find him and kill him so he can't be present for the last battle. Uh, the head of the Black Aja is also the head of the Red Aja, isn't that convenient? And it's not mm-hmm. difficult at all to rope members of the Red to take up this hunt for men who can channel. They do this without knowing the date of birth, so they were just targeting any man who might be able to channel. And in the Wheel of Time companion, it says, And since being lucky or having a sudden rise to relative prominence were among the signs to look for, it was a bad time for men who were lucky or rose suddenly. Um, Mm -hmm. And this being lucky is something that we talked about in New Spring with Prince Derek's fall. When he falls and they're like, Mm -hmm. it's Land's luck that saved you. There was that blacksmith that was found dead mm-hmm. under mysterious Mistress, circumstances. Mistress Najima's husband, she said, well, he was generally like kind of a lucky guy. Like things always worked out so great for him. And then he dies in a barn fire. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now so now like, we see it. Yeah. It's like anyone who has any even rumor attached to them could possibly be a man who can channel and... The Black Aja, with the help of some Reds, are able to, like, zero in on these individuals and just kill them. Um, And if – so 
<laughs> this killing machine is what Moraine and Swan were racing against, and it was just the two of them against the force of the entire Black Aja and any other sisters they had been able to coerce into joining them. They had just a slight advantage, and this program was finally called off by Ishamayel, who was furious at the actions of the Black Aja. He wanted the dragon to be reborn and reach his full potential before turning him to the Dark One. Fortunately, the hunt and destroy method was called to a halt. Unfortunately, it had taken six years for it to come to a full stop. There were, of course, punishments doled out as a result of the actions instigated by the Black Aja. The worst was the one received by Jarna Malari. Um, and I'm actually going to go to this page because it's yikes. Um, so she is a sitter for the Great Aja, and she's also the head of the Black Aja. So again, we have a Black Aja sitting in a position of power within the White Tower, which, mm-hmm. oh my God, are they seriously just fucking everywhere? Yeah. Or is it just yeah. me? No. Sorry. Black Aja everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. You just can't trust anyone. But she also participated in the torture and murder of Tam- Tamara Ospeña. So she's mm-hmm. was part of that happening. And Ishamayel learned that she had given the order to search for and kill the Dragon Reborn and he abandoned her within a Tarangriel for which no use had been found that had not been tried in centuries. And in the wiki article, mm-hmm. it says, she died shrieking and screaming over a period of 10 days. The use oh, of this Tarangriel, I know, right? Or even how to activate it remains unknown. And so this is what puts Alviron in power as the head of the Black Aja. But the interesting thing about this, the thing, again, is that she was somebody who was so well-respected that sisters traveled miles from all over to be there for her funeral. And it says that they came to her funeral where they buried what remained of her after her ordeal in the Tarangriel, which just sounds terrible right so ishamayel was like you done fucked up and that was that for 10 days 10 days and her remains like what was left of her like we don't even know but the image the horror the horror aspect is yeah insane it is like, I can see it. I can see it in my head, and it makes me kind of recoil from it. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think it's important that, like, even though we kind of poke fun at the Forsaken, because, yeah, they're kind of big dummies, it would really <laughs> <laughs> it would really be a good thing for the show, I think, to show how evil they are. Like, oh, yeah. how oh, yeah. little they care about people even in their own circle and where their position of power is if it in any way endangers what that particular mm-hmm. Forsaken has in mind for what should happen next. And you really probably that's gonna be a really Ishamayel. Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting question on how the TV show is going to incorporate that. I mean, we just don't know. We just don't know how they're going to do that. But, I mean, they have to, right? I mean, you have to get some level from the Forsaken or, you know, or else then it's just... Yeah, or else then it's just the 
Black Aja, like, governing themselves mm-hmm. and you know, all of the bad things that happen and go on would just be like, oh, it was it was the Black Aja. But like you had mentioned before, there has to be that, you know, class structure. Mm-hmm. So so are we going to get that in the main series? Well, we have, you know, like, OK, the Dark One, the Forsaken, the Black Aja, the Dark Friends, you know, the Shadow Spawn. Like, how, how are they going to show this? It's very it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. <laughs> I think it's I think it's possible, but I also think it's one of those things that is really complex and so it's going to you'll want to find a way to do it that doesn't lose your audience's attention. And right, right. I think it's much easier to keep it in the book than That you know what that go the, like our next the next thing that I wanted to talk about is the actual show. Mm-hmm. Unless was there anything that you wanted to add really quick? Let me make sure that I have everything from the vileness that I wanted to say. Um, oh, yeah. So one of the things about where what happened with the Black Aja is that Darna Malari is taken out, but other members of the Black Aja are also taken out. Sisters in the Red Aja mm-hmm. are punished and exiled from the tower. And with everything that the Black Aja did... They killed upwards of 50 senior Aes Sedai, which left this big power vacuum. Power vacuum, yeah. Yeah, so like Katsuin says in New Spring where she's like, if so-and-so and and -and so-and-so dies, you and Swan are the next strongest. Yeah. Yeah, and she's like, and it's still a far step from what they're able to do to what you are able to do because they are still much stronger than you are. So... This dwindling of power, again, is weakening the tower. And Mm -hmm. this is, again, just the Black Aja kind of undercutting the White Tower at every opportunity. But because of this power vacuum, Swan is able to become the Amaralyn seat. Like, the women who would have potentially been put up for nomination. Yeah, they're dead. So so we have this whole... Yeah, so there are so there are just all of these complexities that are tied to this idea of the vileness. But I just wanted to kind of like put this little bit in there because seriously, this could this could be like an entire episode. There are so many things around it. <laughs> and I wrote down. I also recognize that this is centered on the White Tower again. But in so many ways, <laughs> all roads do lead to Tarvalin. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true, though. That's such a. Yes. I mean, it it really is. That's really how see, how things seem to go within this mm-hmm. series, and I think it it really it really shows how this whole book is setting up for you know this whole situation to play out mm-hmm. and the effects of it into like from up eye of the world and further on and I honestly think like this is this is the goal of the book this is what this is the message that Robert Jordan is trying to drive home with this Mm -hmm. book is this whole this whole plot you know this whole um is it luck or is he Taviran or can he channel Mm -hmm. setup and we, you know, we get a little, 
we get a little bit of it each chapter until it all culminates in the end with this big, you know, with a big, big ending. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I definitely think that that's, if you have to sum up what this book is about, I would Mm -hmm. say that that's, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. There's, there's the vileness and it's coming and it just it just it disrupts so many things <laughs> two women yeah. one and man I mean... <laughs> uh i i think well, about but... how moraine had to like always be on her toes for this mm-hmm. and i think that's actually one of the exciting moments that i didn't end up mentioning which is her moment of humming and dancing and weaving and throwing fireballs in her mm-hmm. Aes Sedai test um and how she's just that person and I yeah. really I feel like there was more to that but now my she, brain is yeah she's off. well she's just I don't know like I feel like she her and Swan I feel like not only is their relationship like very pure that they both are very pure people and Mm -hmm. that's kind of like why you know it's almost like all right like you're the chosen ones now so you've got to like set out on this journey and if it Mm -hmm. weren't for them being who they are on the inside it just never would have worked out you know Mm -hmm. and just all these little like things that we see with Moraine how she can't keep her money because every time she's put in a situation where she feels like she just needs to like give her money away to these people that are in need and mm-hmm. Suan um being kind of this scrappy little outsider from you know outside of Moraine's um class like we mm-hmm. had talked about it just you know it just kind of yeah, they've set themselves up to be <laughs> like the last one standing, really. Mm-hmm. And Maureen only, I mean, not that six years is a short amount of time, but she only had to fight against the Black Aja actively seeking and the Red Aja aiding in that seeking for about six years. But during that entire six years, I can just imagine how she felt like she had to be constantly dancing ahead of the danger mm-hmm. with yes being discovered and detected and i think she yeah. does a really good job of that and swan in the same like how she managed to stay in power for that amount of time surrounded by the black aja without the mm-hmm. secrets getting loose and without her getting found out when the previous amerlin like the two previous amerlins are murdered like mm-hmm. before her, like how does she do it? It really shows how competent they really are for them to mm-hmm. get all of this done. Well, and, and they were for... totally on target for doing that to her. Like yeah. she does get deposed, she does get stilled. Mm-hmm. She's like maybe a day away from execution when she's freed from the tower. You know, like they but were totally had... on target for doing it again. Yeah, but she had luckily she had the foresight to make an alliance with these three young, you know, or four young women that aren't even mm-hmm. raised to the shawl yet. And it's because of like men and mm-hmm. her connection to Swan that she gets, 
you know, out of this danger. But yeah, it's, I mean, for as tough and I feel like her years as the Amarlin did, didn't do good for her. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like it's changed her, maybe not in the best yeah. ways, maybe just, you know, like she's she's not the fun, happy young woman anymore. She, there is almost kind of this air of like, not like depression, but something similar to that where she's just after this long fighting, you know, mm-hmm. politically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would do a number on you. And yeah. then gosh, gosh. That's a whole it's... that's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to do an episode strictly on Amarillan seats that are mm. that we're aware of in the series and how they all because like even in like the vileness, there's more to it that surrounds the mm-hmm. Amarillan seats as well and what that does to Isenai yeah. inside and outside the tower and how it, it comes back in to the series as well because it's just, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to it, but it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this this book sets up so much. I mean, mm-hmm. so much. But Love yeah, I think, I think we can... I think this ends mostly our topics for the main book. And I wanted to get into our thoughts on New Spring and the Wheel of Time on Amazon Prime. Because mm-hmm. because I feel like this is something that it's just so important and I feel like it gets passed over a lot when I mm-hmm. I try to I try to listen to, you know, as much as I can about what's going on with the series and people's predictions and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's just, um, it's going to be hard, I think, because there's a lot of moments in New Spring that I would love to see. Mm -hmm. Namely, um, the first one that comes to mind is the introduction of Elida, just Mm -hmm. because I feel like she's this mysterious force of nature and when we first get to see her, we we don't know that she's evil. We know she's kind of an asshole, but we don't know how <laughs> awful she is. Mm-hmm. And we just get these little moments with her that I think could really set up, you know, that big question mark. Like, okay, like, do we, is she a bad guy or... Is this just a random person that Moraine has had interactions with in the past? Mm-hmm. And yeah, because she's she's been around since New Spring. And then another important moment that I would like to see is Lan explaining how he was smuggled out of Malkir mm. and, you know, taken away as a baby on Bukam's mm-hmm. back and raised by this man. Mm-hmm. Very important. Mm-hmm. But was there anything that stood out to you that like when you think of New Spring, like little moments or anything that you're just like, oh gosh, like I just want to see that on, <laughs> I mean, all of them, obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, the prophecy. I would oh, love yeah, to that's- see that. That has to be. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, just hearing about it throughout the the series is nice, but, like, getting the actual moment of it is really cool. 
So I would I would love to see that. And I think it's way too important not to have that shown in some way. Mm -hmm. But the thing, okay, so the thing that I worry about is that the creators of the show will just kind of underestimate the importance of New Spring, which is what I did for like the entire time I've been reading the series. And so I can totally see this book sadly getting overlooked as like, Eh, it's the underperforming prequel. We don't need to add anything yeah. from that. Like that's yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, but I do think that there are places like that. Lands fight in the Borderlands mm-hmm. with like the six men and what that looked like. Like, oh god, that'd be so good. That'd be so good. I don't think that that is like necessarily like a plot driver. So I'm sure we'll get plenty of land action scenes to like fill. Oh that yeah. Up. Yeah, and I think really that might be one of those scenes that's better written than put on screen. Oh, yeah, because it's it's just like the narrations, mm-hmm. like what he's thinking as the moments are going by, mm-hmm. like his inner monologue. So yeah. good. If you if you just saw it as a as a sword fight, fight it would yeah. just be a sword fight. Just another one. But if it's you don't get time, it. yeah, if you don't get time slowed like cool honey, <laughs> then it's just another it's sword. It's not fight. worth it. It's not <laughs> worth it. I need all of it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a, I think the the prophecy is the one that stands out the most to me as being like that and I we've talked about uh like a flashback thing for Lan and how he was raised. And mm-hmm. possibly even something like that for Moraine because how cool would it be if we like Got something that, that triggered a memory of Moraine being yeah. tested for the shawl. Like, yeah. that'd be cool. That'd be well, cool. Well, that was my next question. Like, how do you feel about flashba- flashbacks being used? I love that. Are you, you for it? <laughs> I'm for it. <laughs> There's, so, like, this is my question. Are they, did you ever watch The Witcher on Netflix? Yeah. Okay, you know how it wasn't in chronological order and they mm-hmm. just had episodes that you know, had taken place, you know, mm-hmm. earlier in time. And I was wondering, like, I was asking myself, I wonder if they mm-hmm. would end up doing something like that. Like, will we get one episode or something where it's just, you know, events happening in the past? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, will we get will we get a perspective from, like, Tam or, you know, young mm-hmm. Lan or young young Swan Sanche because I know they've cast a young girl to play her I think mm-hmm. and yeah it's just um so so we will I think it's fair to say like we we might possibly get flashbacks but I just don't know how they're going to incorporate it mm-hmm. is it just going to be like kind of like the dreamy sequence where it's just like someone like in deep thought and then <laughs> it goes you know to mm-hmm something else but then I was also thinking like okay there is if if it were me there's one way that I could see a, a way of doing it is like incorporating the code D and the mm. um you know the trying to be the rosebud mm-hmm. where they're in like Anytime when someone's like in a meditative state, mm-hmm. like being able to kind of like flash to a previous situation mm-hmm. because the like um, the Cody and the Rosebud and Rand using um, the oh my gosh, I'm getting a um, the void. 
the void. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. I think like that might be an interesting way they could do it. Like Moraine, when she's helping, you know, Egwene like reach some type of capability channeling while they're on the road Mm -hmm. and she's explaining you know about like the rosebud and this little trick that they have to do within the tower and them kind of like meditating together Mm -hmm. we could get you know scenes from her head while they're like practicing and then it kind of like flashing back to Egwene like oh like channeling like a light or a fire or whatever Mm -hmm. it was that she had made Mm -hmm. something like that or we just get like full on episodes where it's just a full episode that's taking place mm-hmm. previously, previously on the <laughs> Wheel of Time. <laughs> yeah. That may end up having to be what they do, though, just because, I mean, it. from what I have been able to observe, and I 100% admit that I spend too much time reading the news um, and Wheel of Time books. <laughs> And hanging out with my family and my really active six-year-old and not as much time on social media or reading about things that I feel like I should do and I would normally really want to do. So I think they're already like all wrapped up for the first season. Um, I saw the last thing I saw is that they're going to resume filming in, I don't know, in a month or two. Okay. That it should be finishing. Like yeah. they like they still need to shoot a few things. Yeah. But now I'm sure they're doing like a lot of like you oh, know production stuff and editing and Definitely. Yeah. Which I mean And how yeah, much and fun would Sarah that be? Yeah, and Sarah Nakamura said something like, You guys, like I'm so excited I can't talk about this to anyone. But <laughs> if you could have seen what I've just seen or something to that nature <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, Yes. I'm I'm yes. so excited about this. I'm so excited about this. I don't think I've ever been so excited for a TV show before or a movie, really. Like, everyone. I'm pretty excited too. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's just it. Is like, I've seen how people have responded to this series and how much they love it and how fun it is to dig into it and research because there always feels like there's something more hiding behind the thing that you see on the surface. And that just makes it so enjoyable for people who are mm-hmm. intellectual and thoughtful and want to delve further than just the surface of a book. Yeah. So I, I feel like the, the series is kind of a gift and I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with the show. I'm excited. I'm I I'm very excited. All the time. Yeah. I'm just like waiting. I'm, I'm like, I'm excited, but I'm scared, you know, yeah. because I, I mean... I tell myself, like, I just want to be cautious. I want to be cautiously optimistic about it. But at the same time, inside of me, I'm like, it has to be amazing. It has to be great. You well, know, so I'm like, I'm, oh, God, I'm scared. I've been trying to watch, like, things that are Amazon produced to get mm, a yeah. taste for, like, what they what they make and what it looks like. Um, and Carnival Row has that, like, sci-fi fantasy feel mm-hmm. to it. I mean, I think that's kind of exactly what it is. And they, it's, it's, it's really beautiful the way that they've, like, their well set design done. is really yeah. cool. And, like, the special effects are fairly really seamless. Good. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're there because they need to be there, and it's, you know, probably easier to make flying human-sized creatures digital than <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <some> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> any other way. Um, 
But I feel like it really shows their ability to create a world of fantasy and make it look real. And so mm-hmm. that gives me that gives me a lot of hope that because I kind of was like, eh. like I saw the Carnival Row thing and I was like, yeah, Orlando Bloom, he's all right, like maybe. But then I was like just in this mood and I was like, OK, I'll watch it. And I thought, yeah, it was I good. think I think it was I think it was good. It definitely doesn't have this. I mean, this the plot itself is decent, but it's it's not like Wheel of Time. It's not amazing. No, you know? no. But it's still it's still compelling and fun mm-hmm. to watch. And yeah. like really the visual and special effects are done really well, I would say. I would agree. Yeah. So I I have a good I have a good feeling about the what Amazon is releasing as far as like their created content. I think a lot of the stuff that they've done has mm-hmm. been really really good. So I I think that there is a very good chance that it will be as epic as I hope it can be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think we are going to end on favorite moments from people on Twitter and yeah. Discord and Instagram. And we just we just compiled a handful of fun favorite moments from you know people that have read New Spring. Mm-hmm. And the first one is from our Discord from Zool. Zool. <laughs> uh, and she says for me it's the one that started it all. Land dumping Moraine in the pond. And all of the pranks she pulled on him in retaliation. I read this as a short story in the Legends volume. Mm-hmm. So that's like OG, like original, <laughs> original mm-hmm. reader. And yeah, I think the, the the Moraine part going into the pond is just, I mean, it's hysterical. It's and so funny. It's such a great, yeah, the, the meat cute, the mm-hmm. pond meat cute. I think my favorite part of that is Moraine thinking that she could actually pull Lan into the pond while while he was trying to help lift her up. And he just ends up like one arm lifting her and like setting her down on the ground. Like, I don't know what the fuck you thought you were going to accomplish here, but fail? I feel fail. Yeah. 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 I love that moment. Um, And then I have one from... Curly on Twitter. Sarah! Um, yeah, which, thank you. Always, always so lovely. Um, I love the character development of Swan and Moraine. Their love and friendship. I am convinced we already meet Tam, but I think he was going by a different name, and I like the character development of Lan and why he took Moraine, and also his bad experience of women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All of those things. Bad, experience, bad experiences with women, with Kyrian and women, with... Um, I said I. I said I. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, he's got reasons to, like, really <laughs> dislike Maureen. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. For sure. Yep. The next one is Twiggy Leon on Twitter. And they say, I like the crotchety old Malkiri, Busama, I think. <laughs> And the moment of realization <laughs> that the Black Aja are killing anyone who seems too lucky on suspicion of being Taviran, casting a wide net. <laughs> so true. You so true. Said it. said it. Yeah, and that's something that I mean, I, I didn't really pause to really think of. Of 
like casting a wide net. Like they are just like it's like throwing a hand. It's like fishing with grenades, you know, like just (laughs) kill them all. Psychotic. Off what comes off the the right? Yeah, right. It's bad. It's bad. That's why, like, Mm -hmm. looking into the vileness, it was. I think in the Wheel of Time companion, it even says that the two thousand number might be low, because I mean. And I'm, even after they were told to stop searching, it still continued for two years before it stopped completely. So this was, hmm, this was, yeah. it, it makes me think of genocide in other historical moments. And I'm sure that that's what it's in, intended to do is to yeah. think about what that's like to have just this focused group on one mm-hmm. tiny sliver yeah. Mm-hmm. So then the next one comes from Concurred. Ah, been listening to your podcast, so probably. This is what he calls Maureen because <laughs> I asked him. <laughs> so probably Moza. Is that right? And her yeah. horse and her horse alarm. <laughs> wee <laughs> yeah, I like the sirens around the little horse emoji. That's yeah. perfect. Siren emoji, horse emoji, <laughs> siren emoji. <laughs> I love it. There are probably more significant moments, but that's off the top of my head. I love it because I also had that kind of reaction to it where it was like, just I mean, it's it's as good as having like a clicker in your pocket, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. weave these. Who's touching my horse? (laughs) Stop touching my horse. I'll wave heaps of air at you. Yeah. Okay, the Mm. next one is from Twitter, Jason Engberg. Guitarist foretelling and land going into the lake was great. Also (laughs) liked when Moraine ran into the group of Aes Sedai's when traveling in the countryside. You know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Winky face emoji. (laughs) And I, I mean, I'm assuming that's he's talking about Cadswain, right? I think so. Yeah, I would say Cads. Cads. No, that is a really good moment though, because <laughs> she shows up thinking, "Oh, I, I've, I've made it." They just think I'm a wilder, and no, no, no. don't go to a fancy hotel. Don't no. do it. Just stay. Follow Swan's path. Moraine, stay. you don't need a suite. No. <laughs> Stop that. Yeah, I like that part as well. Sandy B says, The way Lan took all Moraine's abuse, because that's how he was brought up, but their relationship developed in spite of that. Aw, that's sweet. That's a re- yeah, that's a really nice. Yeah. It's a and nice it's- way to end things on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We touched on that a little earlier about how, like, you know, if he can take all of that, the Moraine priest then- feels pretty solid. There's a solid... Be my warder. <laughs> yes. I hate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. And cool. I think and I think that wraps us up for our new spring wrap up. <laughs> this is just crazy. Yeah. This is crazy. I love it. Cheers. So well done. Yeah. Us. Cheers to that. Mm-hmm. So first off. Everyone, thanks for joining us on this whole new spring journey. Mm-hmm. We will continue to release episodes every Wednesday and would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Next week, we will be- we'll begin our new segments on cultures within the Wheel of Time. 
take a closer look at some of our favorite characters and talk about the fourth age. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to all of those things. Yes, me too. <laughs> Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us, send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a Discord channel. Just find us on any of our social media platforms and we can send you an invite. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalon. Bye.